Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast here on a Mother's Day we're recording for you. Happy Ma- Mother's Day to all the moms, uh, motherly figures listening, whoever it may be. And, and thanks to you guys, Max and John, making time out of your Mother's Day schedules to hang out with me. Uh, appreciate it. You guys look at me as like a mother figure for the show or no? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, right. Thank you. Yeah. I, I feel like it's in my instincts, right? You uh, take the title. Yeah, sure. I'll take it. I, we got uh, a decent amount to cover today, I guess. Um, last time we, we were on the show, we talked a little bit about projections. And since then, we've we've had a couple new ones come out. Uh, so we'll look at that, the new rankings from USA Today, uh, ESPN updating theirs. And and uh, we talked about the models not really liking Florida State, but it seems like the experts continue to disagree and, and are uh, sliding up the hype machine continually. Uh, plus, it's ACC Spring Meetings Week, so we'll talk a little bit about... Uh, Michael Alford making the rounds again this weekend, kind of setting the stage that he's very clearly going to go and push for more money. We'll talk about that a little bit, but I do want to start with the newest addition of the Florida State roster, Destin Hill. Uh, Max, this one's been a long time coming, part of a recruiting class a while ago. Yeah, he was part of the 2021 recruiting class. I mean, he's, he was supposed to be an electric receiver out of Louisiana. Obviously, we we know that they can – produce some high level receivers out of that state. And we've seen it. We've seen what they can do at LSU. We can see what they can do down in the Bayou. So, I mean, he's supposed to be a speedster that can just change the game. So it seems like the videos, the pictures that we've seen, he hasn't been completely away from the gym, completely away from the weight room and things like that. So it seems like he's prepared himself for this scenario and this situation to, to be ready to, I guess for fall camp is the first thing that he'll be ready for. So, I mean, they should be excited. Another receiver that they're going to have right now. It's just uh, another weapon for Jordan Travis. He looks great, and I think he's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, you have to wonder how much the time away could be an issue. Um, yeah. Obviously, two years is, is a while, but you kind of alluded to it. He's out of Edna Carr there in New Orleans, which has produced a lot of great talent lately. Uh, I mean – state champions and it's a very strong football program there. Right. So looking at it, I mean, it's a speed threat. And, and, and John, I, I know we've talked about a lot. Johnny Wilson's a big guy and he's fast, but they continue to look for that stretch the field kind of guy. And if you bring in a guy who, uh, you know, apparently can run as fast as he can, we're talking to like 11 second, hundred yard dash or something. Oof. hundred meter, hundred yard. I don't know. Let me look, let me uh. check that again before I say it, but I'll pass it to you before I look like an idiot. 
Yeah, I mean, he's obviously uh, an electric player, very, you know, blue chip, right? Right, Max? I'm pretty sure four stars. 100, 100 meter, yeah. just to be clear. 11 seconds, 100, 100 meter, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't suck. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it goes it goes back to Norvell's philosophy, right? He he wants to get matchup guys. Uh, he's going to put you in those one-on-one situations. That's how his whole offense is built. And he expects you at Florida State to win those one-on-one matchups. So he's going to go try to recruit or find those kids that can win those one-on-one matchups. And I think Destin Hill's that, that kind of player, so... Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. again. You have a, a ton of, I mean, the talent is all over the place on this offense. Uh, you know, Johnny Wilson, Kentron Portier, we saw his amazing catch in the spring game. You know, Winston Wright's coming back, he's healthy now. Dustin Hill, so I mean, we can see where the talent is right now already because the kids part of the 2021 class and Norvell Dugan's uh, Yak, they made sure to get him on campus and they made sure to make him still a priority. So he has to be an electric player to make an impact in the first one to two years. He just has to be, if they're putting all those, putting all that, the, that important time to getting him to campus, there just has to be something there. Yeah. And, and the time away, if you're wondering, uh, you know, why personal issues, uh, you can look into it yourself. But all, all I'll say is, Kind of what you said there, Max, if a guy is away for two years, doesn't play, it, it just strikes me as if you can ball, they're going to find you. You know, if, if you're that type of player, they're not going to let it go. And this is a guy who was ranked, uh, I think, right right around top 100 coming out of, out of high school, like top 20 receivers, one of like the four or five best players in Louisiana, a, a state obviously rich with recruiting history. So, yeah, I mean, this is a this is a perfect example of a guy can ball. Just stay in touch with him, and hopefully you bring him in for what you need. But didn't I read he's still only 19? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's pretty fantastic, right? Because it's not, you know, it's not like he's already 20 or anything like that. He's still just 19, even though he lost two years. So uh, that, that's pretty that's pretty great for him and for Florida State. Yeah, and you have to figure maybe, I mean, the first year on campus, maybe it's, it's something that would have been a redshirt as it is. I don't want to say it's something that uh, – you know, I don't think you can expect someone like him to show up in game one to be be that type of player, but maybe he is. I don't know. I mean, I personally, if it takes that time, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's I can't imagine there's the expectation that he just comes back and plays well. But at the same time, to your point, I don't know, man. When I was 19, you could kind of rally off anything. You know, if he's that kind of athlete, if he's that kind of strong, if he's that kind of fast, you don't really lose speed. It's not like between 17 and 19, you get slower. It seems it seems like he's the same athlete or even better of an athlete that he was before with the strength that he put on. And I mean, if he kept the speed that he had in high school, I think the only thing that he's gonna have trouble with if he does is learning another playbook and getting back into what you have to see on the field in terms of defenses and stuff like that. Cause if he haven't been on on the field, I mean he hasn't been on a college field, so that's also gonna be a difference. But I, I think that'll be a difference. But as an athlete, I think he's obviously excelled. And I, I think you'll see that on the field actually pretty soon in his career. Yeah. And if the expectation is, Hey man, just go be fast. Like, I don't need you to read a defense. I don't need you to look up and, you know, sit in a zone and, and find the soft spot, just run past somebody. You know, maybe that's something he adjusts to a lot quicker than you, than, than we would expect. Uh, uh, Norvell and Atkins like those slot fades, right? They're using with Jakai Douglas. I mean, you could get him game one LSU. He could be running a slot fade. You know, yeah, yeah. Run, run a slot fade, run a slot, just take off and go and leave some space underneath for some other guys. Some of these new tight ends you just brought in and 
you know, maybe that's all you really need for him. So we'll definitely see how he shakes out. Uh, obviously another great piece that, that comes into this team that could be an advantage. And uh, it's another little, little piece of the puzzle that seems to be building a hype machine here. I kind of alluded to it. The, the post spring rankings coming out, we kind of discussed the analytic ones that had already been kind of developed, I guess, coming out of the spring game last time we were on. And we got more of the narrative based ones, I guess, you know, just some guy with a keyboard sat down and gave his thoughts. And I want to start first with the uh, USA Today ACC rankings. because I figured it's easier to start ACC specific and build out from there. That one, Florida State is ranked number one power rankings and each team kind of had a question. And so I'm curious uh, what you guys kind of in terms of answering the question. So question there being, will the offensive line hold up for Florida State was the question. That's a good one. Uh, and part of what they kind of alluded to is is the offensive line is adding depth, you know, where where that's been a, a spot of weakness before. But I guess in the grand scheme of things, Max, they've figured it out. Will the offensive line hold up? I guess that's a good question, and I'll pose it to you. I don't think that's the biggest worry in terms of offensive line because of the depth they had and because of those tight ends that they've brought in. Uh, Thompson said that a lot of what he wants to work on in the spring and in the fall with his tight ends like Jane Bell and Morlock is working on that blocking, especially when you have a player like Trey Benson. So offensive line, I think that they've improved. And I think that they've obviously honestly proved themselves to not have to be a worry as much as people are playing them out to be. In my opinion, the biggest question that they have going into next season, obviously losing the commitment of or recruitment of Jalen Key to Alabama is their secondary. They have a very thin safety room and a, a defensive back room who you have guys there like Bernardo Green, you have guys there like Ventro Cypress, but you don't know what you're going to get every day. And that's just something that I think that's the biggest question in Florida State's team right now. The offensive line, I'm not sure why. I think that the slack that they're getting right now is just is just what they what they had before. But with Atkins, I don't think there's anything to worry right now. And that was a dog, not a fire alarm, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's a dog. Cause you're a kid. Yeah. I was like, I was like, maybe that was a little fire alarm, a little chirp sound. John, I'll go to you. Uh, and just a quick on that, uh, that transfer you mentioned that was going to Bama was out of UAB. Uh, John, I don't know. Um, I think offensive line wise, and I'll pose you two questions. What are your worries, I guess, about the secondary? How do you feel there? But then offensive line, do you think, uh, the way the they set up the scheme being so run heavy, does that help just any concern you could have about the offensive line, their ability to be so run heavy? Um, yeah, so I'll hit the secondary first. I mean, I, yeah, I agree with a lot of things that Max said. I, I mean, you got bodies, you got talent, but like I said, for a couple of years now, the, they don't seem to add, you know, the, the individual players are more talented than the sum of their parts kind of it's how it's been. Right. And, and I know, you know, um, the defense corner, Adam full likes to be aggressive. And with this offense, it may not matter if he, if, you know, if you bail out or you, you, you know, you sell out against whatever and you get burned for it. You're just, it could be like one of those Oregon teams, right. When they had Marcus Mariota, you're just giving the ball back to your offense. That's not the worst strategy. Um, but to answer your questions, I, I think there were great questions about the offensive line. Very interesting. So to, essentially, yes, right? I think what they do a lot is because the running game has been so dominant, 200 yards a game last season, um, they like to do that run blocking. And then they use that run blocking, especially those counters, as part of their blocking schemes in the pass game, right? So, I mean, they just torched Miami on the ground with the counter game last year. But then if you run play action and you still pull the guards as if you're running power or counter, except it's now a play action pass, I mean, it just 
it's one reason why Florida State, I think, had so much success with explosive plays, right? So they're pretty smart about how they do their blocking schemes in the pass game using, you know, what's built off of their running game. So um, again, I think the issue is always comes down to injuries. Obviously, this is the most talented Florida State offensive line in many, many seasons. Um, I, I think, you know, I, th- I thought last year they were good against everyone except maybe the most dominant defensive lines they faced. I would expect them to be a little bit better this year, a little bit deeper, hopefully uh, more able to withstand some of those injuries uh, that that could, you know, gave them fits last year. So I, I'm expecting good things. Again, I think like we talked about a bunch of times, Alex Atkins is a great coach. I don't think Florida State is going to be able to keep him for much longer. Unfortunately, uh, he's got head coach written all over him, but while we have him, I, I think he's done a unbelievable job turning that unit from a, incredible weakness into one of the better strengths of the team. And they seem to have really rounded into form. I mean, if that's your, if, you know, I mean, Max has obviously alluded to other question marks they've got, but you know, if the offensive line would be the the bigger question, I'm again, very confident in Florida state being one, you know, being number one in these power rankings. Mm -hmm. I think that would be something I would say. Yeah. I I think at, at worst, I'd expect them to be average. And that's, that's pretty good considering what you have around them. Uh, Number two on the list, not surprisingly, is Clemson. The question there, where the big passing plays come from? Uh, Obviously, Klubnik, Klubnik, whatever. Klubnik, I think. Klubnik? I don't know. We'll find out in September when he's taking snaps. Uh, He's going to be the starter, but the question that they've got here in this article is kind of alluding to their lack of downfield passing, pass catchers. Uh, You know, they they said they weren't there in the spring, so something to keep an eye on there. Uh, They've got Pitt uh, having to replace, obviously, I butchered this name last week. I'm going to try it again. Abinaconda? The running back? They're running back. The guy from Pitt, he's gone, so they're going to have to replace him. NC State, the question being, can the defense carry the team? Wake being fifth. This one was surprising. I thought it was going to be Sam Hartman, but they've got confidence in their offense. Uh, they're saying, you know, will the secondary improve like they needed to? And then number six being North Carolina. Uh, will the defensive front be able to get more pressure? It was a weakness. Miami comes in at seven, so just barely in the top half of the conference there. Um, it seems like a weak conference overall. And I think it's a lot of the questions we had last week, right? I think uh, those were the ones we mentioned, like is, is club Nick and that offense actually going to do anything with DJ gone? Does Pitt's offense really come together now that they've lost two guys in Pickett the year before. And then this running back who I won't buy badger, his name again, butcher his name again, obviously this past year. And then NC state is basically just a defense. You know, what, what is, what can you do with just the defense? Is that enough to contend for the conference? I don't know. It feels like NC State's going to wake up and be a three-loss team at the end of the year, and then depends on what the rest of the conference looks like, whether or not they're in the championship picture. Um, and then, obviously, no surprise, the Miami question is, will the passing game have enough pop? Because, I mean, they were just bad last year. And, and I, you know, Max, actually, I, this is a good question since you're 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 always kind of in and around the Miami program. You're 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 from in that area. Doesn't seem like they've got any momentum. As of right now in the past, I mean, I mean, just in general, I feel like the program as, as a whole is just kind of like, yeah, because like coming into last year, I felt like they had a ton of build DVD. Here comes the whole thing. They're going to be strong. And it just feels like uh, crystal balls here. And it just feels like this year they haven't really. And now nothing's really seemed to move the needle on any of these rankings we've gone through. Yeah, I see a lot of misplaced leadership on that team of, of someone trying to stand up, even freshmen trying to talk and, and build some some leadership in a locker room or build some leadership in, in certain position rooms, because I'm not seeing that. Obviously I'm not there at practice. I'm not there at, in their locker room, but I, I don't particularly see that from TVD or one of their stars on their teams. 
I know they have two star defensive tackles. So, I mean, that's something that, that was one of their strengths. One of them being Leonard Taylor, who's supposed to be a, a top NFL draft prospect. So I think that's what probably be the biggest strength that they have, but that offense, I don't see improving as much as they should. I know they just added Tyler. I think his name is Tyler Harrell from Alabama, former Louis, uh, former Louisville wide receiver. So I think they're trying to add speed there, just trying to open up the field for TBD. But I don't see any momentum there in, in South Florida, to be honest. Interesting. Yeah, I, we've done a lot of these lists and, and rankings and up-and-coming teams, post-hype, and it just feels like Miami is just kind of currently slotted in the middle of the pack. Maybe yeah. that's good for them. Maybe last year they were they were kind of overhyped and it was too much. Well, they're usually overhyped, and that's <laughs> that, that's usually not too great for them going into the season. But I don't think that's a, a big team to worry about. I think we've talked about before is that the Clemson and UNC is biggest questions against Florida State. Uh, we talked about Clemson being their their biggest issue is being pass catchers, which is phenomenal for Florida State because their biggest issue is probably corners and safety. So if they're going to clash, I think Florida State has a little bit of an edge over them. And then UNC, their defense is just why would it improve from last season if they haven't added much there? So uh, I think I mean for, with Florida State retaining this much, they should be the favorites, which I mean, they are in, in many cases. Yeah, no arguments there. John, anything in the in that uh, group that caught your eye? Anything that interests you? Um, I mean, I am interested to see how Clemson. I mean, I, I you know, look, they're the biggest rival. That's the hurdle Florida State has to get over. I am kind of curious too about their passing game. You know, we had uh, we briefly touched on in a previous pod episode about um, DJ Uyunglele had had kind of spoken to the media about his frustrations with the Clemson offense, and he felt that they you know limited him and didn't really trust him and things like that. It'll be interesting to see how much they trust K Klubnik. Uh, and, and again, I mean, their offense was a lot of just really easy, you know, slants, bubble screens, uh, didn't really, again, trust their quarterback to do anything or anything. And part of that too, I think is they were trying to cover up not just um, DJ, but also some of their issues at receiver. Uh, and again, other than that, I kind of agree with you guys. There's, there's, a lot of the quarterback talent, I guess, has left the conference. And so all these teams, I think, are kind of coming down a little bit. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, we're going to see. It could be a little bit of a rough year for the ACC um, as everyone's kind of like retooling or rebuilding or all kind of like in this weird transition stage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, Wake may not be what they've been the last couple of years. We'll see, though. Uh, NC State looks like they're definitely taking a step back. Pitt, too. Uh, it's hard to lose. If you're a program like Pitt, right, it's hard to lose a guy. I think they had a couple defenders drafted one, at least one, right. was in the first round. Yeah. Clancy. Yeah. So to the bucks. So it's just, it's, it's tough. Um, I think if Florida State's going to win the conference, it's hard to ask for the board to be set a little, you know, better than it is. Yeah. I do think actually going into next season, we're going to see a change in Clemson's offense, obviously with the new offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley. We've seen what he can do. He was with TCU last season. That's Lincoln Riley's brother, and they're both offensive geniuses. So I think there's going to be a change there to where they're going to start throwing the ball downfield. If you saw Clemson's offense last year, which I agree with John, that I think they were trying to hide some of DJ's mishaps or, or things that they didn't want him to do. So there was a lot of checkdowns. There was a lot of Will Shipley just give him the ball and let him open up the field, and then you can maybe toss a, a little out route but I think that's going to change a lot with Garrett Riley there. So I, that's going to be a, a completely new offense, in my opinion. 
And oh, real quick, the other thing is, I think now Miami's on their third offensive coordinator in three years, right? Yeah. They had the one guy, I can't remember his name. He did a good job with TVD. Then Josh Gaddis comes in, Broyles award winner. Absolutely just a mess. He gets fired after one year. And now they have another guy. Uh, so it's kind of rough down to Coral, Coral Gables. So I agree with what you guys were saying earlier. We'll see what Miami's offense looks like, but it, it could be a mess again. Yeah, that that certainly, I think you put it great. If you had asked for a year for Florida State to be as up as they are, uh, it would be one where it feels like the ACC is as down as it is. You know, even if maybe you're not as up as you think you are or or could be, the conference is is wide open for the taking, and it seems like Clemson is the one team truly standing in the way. Uh, we kind of alluded to NC State maybe as a defense. Wake Forest maybe as if they just do that thing where they grab that one random quarterback who looks exactly the same for the 15th consecutive year to run mesh. You know, I mean, those sorts of things maybe, but it seems like it's it's Clemson and Florida State to fight for this crown, which, you know, seems like they'll likely play twice. We'll see how that shakes out. And it's kind of backed up in these ESPN post-spring rankings. The last time we did this pod, we talked about the way too early rankings, which came out in January, which I think had Florida State number four. Uh, ESPN has now updated those just last week, and it's including now post-spring, how do teams look with spring, newest transfer portal stuff, uh, and Florida State moves up a spot to three. Uh, again, this is just one writer. It's Mark Slaybaugh, so it's just one guy's opinion, not like this is the preseason rankings where it's going to be, but um, – just to give you a, a, an idea of the top 10, you got Texas at 10, Clemson's nine, Penn State eight, LSU seven, Alabama six. You're ahead of Alabama, Ohio State five, who I think last time was in the top five, in the top two. They've now slid to five. USC is four, Florida State checks in at three, Michigan two, and of course, Georgia one. Um, just generally, John, and I'll come to you first on this, a, a quick read on the, on the Florida State blurb here again, post-spring outlook. Florida State believes quarterback Jordan Travis is a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate, and Coach Mike Norvell added a couple of key pieces to give him more options this season. Gene Bell, Morlock, big upgrades at tight end. Fortier seems ready to break out. Freshman Jacobs building another budding star on the perimeter. Fisk, another transfer from Michigan Michigan State. Western Michigan, I'm trying to read too fast. Edge rusher Patrick Payton performed well in the spring which would be a big lift for the defensive line that already includes Jared verse. This doesn't even include what maybe you might get from Destin Hill. Um, I mean, it's true. The tight end transfers and the, and, and Portier seemingly ready to make a burst kind of boost the offense a lot and the weapons they've got there. And then we haven't even really talked about the defensive line abilities they brought in as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this team is loaded. I, I think three in the power is a little too high. Honestly, I do think this is a borderline playoff team. So for me, three is a little too rich for my blood, although I love to see it. Right. Uh, and if, if they really are, you know, ranked highly, I always, you know, preseason, I always, you want that. Right. Cause if you lose, you don't, you don't fall as far. Um, but I mean, yeah, this, this team is loaded. This offense is ridiculously loaded. Even if the defense ends up being top 20, top 25, something like that, you're looking at a top five, hopefully offense in the country. So, uh, I think Jordan Travis could absolutely win the Heisman this year. Uh, I mean, all the pieces are in place to do that. If, if the schedule of the ACC we're talking about is really maybe sort of down as we think, who knows, right? Uh, I know Caleb Williams obviously is going to put up a bunch of numbers, but uh, their offense is even, I mean, their defense is even worse, much, much worse actually than Florida State's. So, I mean, look, this is a good team. I, I think they're really, in my opinion, it'd be somewhere around uh, five to 10 is where I think this, this FSU squad really is, but who knows, man? I mean, they, they had a huge jump last season and it's not, you know, crazy to think that, that they could do something similar. 
I think if you run out almost the exact same team as last year, you you could be in the same spot just depending just based on how much worse the schedule appears to be. Um, as long as you avoid that that Jordan Travis injury that they they had last season, they still were able to kind of navigate. Max, too rich for your blood as well. It is. It is. I, I probably have them around five, maybe even six. Just there, there's some questions that they have to answer there that I think other teams already have answered. And I think already te- teams have proved against uh, higher competitors last season because, I mean, it was a tough October for Florida State last year. It, a loss to Wake Forest, Clemson, and NC State. So I think they still have something to prove before they're ranked at, at number three against uh, other teams that have probably beat ranked opponents and have probably put in more work, I guess, last season to put a resume on and be placed top four. Uh, just to give you some reference on that, Ohio State was a team who slid. They were two. They dropped down to five with uh, one of the contenders for their starting quarterback job who had a finger injury in the spring, some questions in the offensive line. Uh, the one that surprises me, and look, I understand it. Bama's losing Bryce Young. <laughs> I understand. It's Alabama. I don't know what – I mean, like, until they're not, like, I just don't know what we're, what we're right. trying to do with them. Um, obviously, they have a new offensive coordinator bringing Tommy Reese in for Notre Dame, but it's just an interesting – I don't know – what we're doing there. And then of course the LSU being number seven, I think that one will be, it continues to be what should be a really fun first game. Um, I I think it's almost the exact opposite as last year. I think last year, both teams kind of needed the win, even though LSU proved, I guess maybe they didn't because of the way they're, they ended up in the SC championship game anyway, but with both teams kind of down, it was a chance to kind of stamp yourself. And this one feels like it's just two really good teams who can pat a resume before they head into conference play. Um, maybe LSU needs it more because you have to figure it in the SEC, they're probably going to lose at least a game. Um, but you know, if you're Florida state and you get that win, you're, you're sitting pretty for a potential run to a, a, a playoff borderline team. You just have to really get through Clemson and take care of the business as you should in your conference. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I, I'm with you, Brian. I kind of see it as tears, right? I think it's Georgia, uh, Ohio State and Alabama would be one tier, and then you got a bunch of teams in tier two, including Florida State. And I think any any number of those teams could come out: LSU, FSU, USC. Uh, I, I'm not as big on Penn State, Clemson. You know, we'll see how good Kate Klubnik is. Uh, Texas, until they actually get there, I'll never believe that they're legitimately good. <laughs> I, I don't have anything against Texas. It's just you know they haven't been good since Colt McCoy and Vince Young, right? So. And until they're actually legitimately good, I don't believe it. I think uh, Tennessee's going to take an enormous step back without Hendon Hooker, and uh, you know Notre Easy Dame slide back, you know those sorts of things. Right, right. So I, I think there's a group that Florida State's in tier two that that are all going to fight for that last playoff spot. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. And, you know, I yeah. think what we talked about the ACC weakness before, I think that has to do with Florida State being number three as well because. Texas probably plays in a tougher conference right now. Ohio State is going to play Michigan. They're going to play Penn State, so they're going to clash against very good teams. So I think they have Florida State going a little bit above them just because of the, the competition that they're set to play. Yeah, and, and you would say it's a conference with just Clemson and Florida State in football. Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, look, we talked about it the other as in terms of a tier one, that's what exists. Um, I think it's really just the two of them. I mean, if we're gonna we, if we're gonna tear teams off, are we worried about UNC? I mean, yeah, a little. I mean, I, but the, my question would be: Can Drake may do it by himself? And last year he was fantastic. 
didn't really equate to really doing it, I guess. Um, I just, I worry, like, I know Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in college football. And I'm always worried about like, Hey, this kid is also the best. And I'm like, ah, I think he's the second best if you maybe pick it today, but I'm worried about what he'll look like given a second year. That is that because of the, is that because of the weapons? They, I mean, he lost his two, his wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Is that? Yeah. I mean, I really like Josh Downs there. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I don't know. They seem to have a, have an ability to just grab receivers and, and have great guys. Um, and obviously his ability to run helps a lot. So, you know, I mean, again, he's playing in the same ACC that, that we're talking about being down. So, you know, he can, he can look great and maybe he matures another year and he is phenomenal. Uh, maybe he rolls an ankle and he's obviously maybe not, you know, I, I worry what a team when it's that much on one guy seemingly having to do it himself. I mean, if you had Florida state, like for Florida state, I would be worried the same way with Jordan. Like we were going into last year with the way they've developed the run game. If Jordan is limited, um, I like your ability to have Jordan just stand in a pocket and run, not, not have to run, but to run the ball as a team and, you know, make some quick passes and use Johnny like that and kind of have other ways to win than just Drake go do something. Um, I mean, I, I would probably put North Carolina right in the second tier. I'd put them probably first in the second tier for me um, with NC state with, as almost being polar opposites. Right? Can an offense carry a defense to a to a conference title? Can a defense carry an offense to a, a conference title? That sort of thing. You put them together, they're probably a great team. It seems like you're slightly more worried than NC for NC State. I think so, um, just because I think of the brand of football NC State has has carried and kind of their general. Um, I don't know. Like it, it, they have a, they have an identity and it's we're just, we're, we're not going to give up a lot of points. We're going to play solid defense and it works. Um, you know, I mean, defense is the hardest thing to carry year to year, so maybe not, but um, they've been able to, to put it together the last few years. And it just seems like they've got a strong identity. Whereas, you know, there were times last year with North Carolina, I was like, man, they just look weird. Like, I don't know how to describe Like Drake looks great. He's making great throws. He's running around, but it just feels like, and they get to the 15 and, he's having a fight for his life just to do anything. And I'm worried how well that stands up for an entire year again, which is fair. Uh, I mean, one, one thing that's cool is Florida state looks like they don't play North Carolina or North Carolina state during the season. So yeah, neither you know, could be I, work. It's not something I think they're going to have to worry about. I doubt one of the two, I mean, like if Florida states, I, I feel like Clemson is written in pen in the conference championship game for me. I, I don't, I mean, I guess it couldn't be if Florida State knocks them off and and Bubnik doesn't look as good, but it just feels like it's it's going to be Clemson and it's going to be Florida State if Florida State can do what they're supposed to do if they handle their business like they should. Right. Um, that their schedule just doesn't look like there's much to push them, which can be good and obviously can be bad. But you know, we'll find, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there, I guess. Right? And, you know, maybe that's something where it's like, well, they're not battle tested by the time they get to a, a conference turn a conference championship game or they get to a a playoff situation, but you know, I'd rather just get there and see if they are battle tested than be like, well, we were battle tested, but it didn't work out. It's frustrating that the 12th team playoff doesn't start till, you know, 2024. Cause I mean, I think Florida state would be in this year if it did. That's rough. Cause you're yeah. losing Travis right after this season. Presumably. Yeah. yeah. I, I just feel like you you would be, you would be a lock uh, for you. I, I as close to a lock as you could be with the schedule. I mean, I, that what we're looking at at most, the three loss team, I feel like that puts you at least on a bubble situation. So yeah, it's a tough one, but um, you know, I guess you got to play the card you're dealt. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, one other big thing happening this week that I wanted to get to is the ACC spring meeting starting tomorrow, uh, or I guess while you're listening to this today, Monday. Um, Michael Alfred, who we had on the show earlier this spring. Thank you for putting that up, putting that together, Max. Appreciate you. Um, he, he alluded to the need for the conference finances to change. And I don't even know if alluded to it is right. He was pretty heavy handed about it. Um, he made the rounds again this weekend, going on other podcasts around kind of the Florida State world talking uh, about pretty much the same thing that he did here, right? The need for money, the need for an unequal revenue sharing across the conference, that that Florida State is the leading brand of this conference. They need a bigger piece of this pie because they are at a disadvantage. The one that I've seen floating around today here, uh, the quote was about how you know UCF is making more, has their now Big 12 team, uh, a Big 12 school, I guess. The question is, can he make it happen? Right. And this is the week to try and see if it's possible. Uh, one thing I do want to uh, pitch here, and I'm I'm sorry, I've only read his name. But I'm going to try Alex Hirschner going with that. He's on Twitter. He's a covers college football. Um, and, and his point kind of on this, and I saw it earlier and thought it was worth discussing. Why would any ACC AD agree to give away more money for Florida State? Um, essentially, his point being, if Florida State is eventually going to leave and the ACC at that point will eventually no longer exist, why give up the money now? Why not just you signed the same contract I did, so too bad? Um, it's kind of the argument. And, and, and obviously we had Alfred on to make his points, but I'm curious you guys' thoughts. Like, wh- where really can Florida State go? It feels like they're kind of stuck. It seems like they're in the too bad zone right now <laughs> yeah. that, that's how they're treating it right now um I, i'll say two things one is i'm happy alfred is doing it he absolutely should and the second thing is that uh every, what everyone's saying like alex kershaw is absolutely correct uh the acc is going to tell them to go pound sand uh and that's probably what they should do because florida state's going to leave Anyway, when the first chance that they get, I, I think the only strategy behind that would be not strategy from Florida State side. I, I, I'm saying, I guess maybe the path there would be, you know, you give unequal revenue sharing to, you know, Florida State and then Clemson specifically, but a few other teams that earn more than than their keep, um, in the hopes that they stay. Right, you'd have to have some kind of contractual agreement that they would remain within the ACC. The idea would be, you know, if if FSU instead of splitting 40, 45 million with everybody else is now getting 70 million, it allows them to compete with SEC and the Big Ten. And then again, that only works if they stay. Uh, we've talked before in the past. My personal opinion is that what we're looking at down the road uh, inevitably will be the top 60 so or the power five teams breaking away from the NCAA to form their own division or their own league or however that looks like. That seems to be the end game at some point. No one's sure quite when that will happen, but everyone believes that that split's coming. It's just, yeah, why would any other ACC? I mean, if you're Wake Forest, right, you put out a good product, which is good. They actually try to win, unlike some other programs. But you bring, right, but you bring no money to the table. Yeah, I mean, and and then on top of that, if they say, so you kind of mentioned it, right? Hey, Florida State, all right, we'll give you your 70 and we'll take 30 or whatever, 70%, 30%, what, you know, whatever the, the numbers break out to be. Um, but we need you to sign that you'll be here in the conference for 10 more years. They've already agreed to that. Like they've, right. ar- they've already agreed. Like, like if you're the ACC, you have them already held to that in a contract. And on top of that, 
um, okay. So even if Florida State says yes, right? Florida State's like, yes, that's what we want. If I'm Wake Forest, for as you put it, right? Why do I want to give Florida State a $40 million advantage on me in the conference? Right. And, and again, it's only really to bridge what the leagues look like now versus what they could look in the future. But if that process takes 50 years, right. Yeah, I mean, why would Wake do that either, right? Yeah, everyone's going to become Northwestern if, if they do something like that. But and the other problem with this is even if you give Florida State and Clemson, say, $70 million each, well, the SEC and Big Ten schools are still getting going to be getting $100 million each. So Florida State is going to leave anyway the first chance they get because you still can't compete with Ohio State or Georgia if, if you know, that $30 million gets compounded for another 10, 15 years. You're still all the way behind anyway. So, uh, again, I think Alfred should do it. I think that's really the only card or hand that Florida State has to play. But the ACC is just going to tell them, you know, too bad. Yeah. What, you, I mean, what hand do you think he needs to show right now then? Like, what do you think he needs to – prove to the ACC or kind of put a paper in front of them to show that they deserve it more. This is the popularity or what is it that he needs to, to show them? Well, the issue is the facts are he is the most popular brand in the conference. Florida state is the biggest brand. They draw the most eyes. And, you know, when he was on this show, he talked about how they bring the most fans, their fan, you know, Florida state fans travel, his fan base travels. They go to road games. They line the pockets of these other schools when they go there. Um, they fill their own stadium for home games where a lot of the teams don't. They watch the channels when Florida State's on ABC, people tune in nationally. Um, so the facts are Florida State is the biggest brand. The other fact is they've signed a contract. He hasn't, but the, the school has as part of a member of the ACC to give away their rights to the ACC for the next 10, was it 12 years? Is it 2035? Is that, was that when it expires? I mean, they, they're kind yeah. of stuck here. 2036, I think, yeah. I, I, I mean, Florida State is the national brand in the ACC. For all of Clemson's success, they're still a regional program. They don't have national fans. And the only other, I think, national brand in the ACC is Miami, but they haven't won anything for, you know, 22 years. So, eh. I mean, all these kids that play were never born, you know, it's just, yeah. I mean, we've already said it. There's nothing really, you know. Well, here's the part. Here's another quite interesting part. So he mentioned it in that, in that interview and I forget who it was with my apologies. If it was one of the, one of our competitors somewhere out there, I'm sure I know it is, but I'm saying, I, I don't know which one he specifically brought up UCF about, but you know, he's talking about UCF's bringing in more money per year than Florida state is than Miami is. Um, and it's not through like, you know, the work of the athletic departments. That's just conference affiliation. Big 12 TV deal is just better than the ACC's. Um, so comparatively, you are now third, tied for third in bringing in money in the state. And obviously Florida is a great state for recruiting, for all those sorts of things. But to be third in, in an arms race is not where you want to be especially for a school like UCF that is, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously their last probably 10, 15 years have been the best of their program, but you know, they're, they're rising. There's momentum there. You see them jumping to big 12. You can see them if they continue to climb being one of the teams that maybe is in that. Whereas Florida state, you just don't want to get passed by. Um, and that that's where the tough spot comes in where it's like, okay, do you just have to jump? But the problem being how much money they would owe the conference to do it. I know we've talked about 2030, um, but I wonder how 
how much he gets the itch to try to do it sooner because you are, it's a compounding loss. It's 30 million year after year after year after year that you're going to continue to have to chase down where then there's now a second school beyond Florida in your state that you're behind. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that Alfred recognizes that it's, I don't want to say life or death for the Florida state program. It's not just football. It kind of is right. Because I mean, his point that he, he said in his statement the other day was that if Florida state can't secure something like unequal revenue sharing in the ACC that helps bridge that gap between them and, and the schools in the big 10 and the ACC, then even if at, well, at some point, uh, Florida State does jump to one of those two conferences. Mike Alfred's point is that it, you still don't catch up because you lost all of those years, which again, we're looking at 13 years, so like 2036. 20, 20, of lot you, you can never get that money back. It's like $400 million. I mean, right. it's it's and then who knows what changes in the other conferences. And his other point was if you fall behind, that's where you have to see cuts in other in other programs. You know, you have a very successful softball program who, whose podcast I'll be doing here in a minute. It's available now. Glenn, Glenn Rhodes and I, <laughs> um, you know, you've got a baseball program that you're trying to build. You put a bunch of money into bringing in Link Jarrett. You've got a basketball program that is obviously down. But I mean, I don't think anyone wants to see Florida's bas- Florida State's basketball program just become an afterthought. You know, you're a you're you're a athletic department that prides yourself on being really well-rounded. You know, you are not Alabama. Uh, so, you know that's kind of where you find yourself needing the additional dollars to be able to go around. And if you got to make up 30 million, it's got to come out of somewhere. I mean, I think the numbers are being crunched right now to see what they're going to have to do to get out earlier. I I just think that they're going to have to do it. I think they're going to, maybe they're going to bite the bullet and just have to pay and just to pay moving forward. That's going to be something to where, like you said, it's going to have to, go from another program but that's also something that this is a big season for Florida State football financially and for Florida State athletics financially because this is going to bring in a lot of money for Florida State and a lot of viewership for Florida State the 2023 season so I think this is going to be a big year to see what their what their decision is moving forward but in terms of staying till 2036 I think the numbers are being crunched right now in order to leave earlier yeah my guess is they crunched the numbers they looked around and said, we're screwed. Um, and the best bet right now is we can't, we can't flatly pay it out. Um, I'm sure they're talking to, and again, this is all speculation, reckless speculation. Just, I don't know a single thing, but based off of what we saw with Oklahoma and Texas, I have to imagine that Florida state and likely Miami are, are and Clemson are at least some capacity of the two or three of them are looking to the TV network saying, save us, right? I mean, someone get us out of here. If if CBS will somehow make a contribution to get Florida State out of the ACC and maybe to the Big Ten, that gets them, you know, that boosts Big Ten network, which, which CBS just bought, and that would obviously hugely boost Florida State. You know, is that something that CBS could do? Because, I mean, so we just saw with, with ESPN and, and the Longhorn network and, and Oklahoma and Texas, the question there being what's your bidder? Because in this one, it was ESPN deciding they were willing to sacrifice Longhorn network, which wasn't really doing much for them to just bring Texas into their sec network plans and save themselves money here. You're kind of in a position where 
I could see where ESPN says, no, no, we want to keep Florida state and Clemson or Miami or whatever combination of the teams they want. Um, but does that nuke the other prospect as a whole? Does the ACC just become even worse than the big 12? I mean, is it really just like a group of five? And then the question there is, I mean, I know we talk a ton about football. ACC basketball has made ESPN a ton of money over a lot of years going just Duke and North Carolina. Uh, you know, and that's a ton of programming all throughout November through March, where that's what Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, not Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday is they're filling it with Duke, North Carolina, and NC State, Louisville. You know, like that's a lot of games that they could be blowing up there. So, I mean, it's, it's, it seems like the one lifeline they could have is if a is if a TV partner steps up and says, "Here's a bunch of money, let's get you out of here." Um, but I I don't really know the legalese behind all of that. I, I don't I don't know. And again, this is totally Brian's reckless speculation. I don't know anything. Haven't talked to anyone. Don't know anything. But I'm just guessing based off of how the the Texas Oklahoma SEC thing played out. Yeah, I mean. I, who knows? I mean, this could be a, an opportunity for Alfred. Maybe what he's trying to get out of it is to to connect with some other programs that may, you know may also want to get out, right? There's always strength in numbers. So Florida State, Clemson, we know of Miami. Also, I'm looking at the the TV viewership rankings in the ACC. Miami's third, and then it goes uh, surprisingly Louisville, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Virginia, Pitt, uh, uh, North Carolina State, and then North Carolina, which I'm a little surprised about. Uh, they're in the, you know fourth fewest in the league, uh, but North Carolina could be one that I think maybe could do better in a, in a bigger conference. Uh, and then after them, you got Boston college, Wake Forest, and then Duke with the, the fewest, right? So Florida state brings in um, average regular season viewership is 3.17 million. Clemson is just over 3 million. Then it drops all the way to 2 million for Miami. And then Duke at the very bottom of the league with 1 million. So, I mean, Florida state's, I mean, they're huge, right? I mean, they're, they are a juggernaut in this conference in terms of the power that they wield. It's just, um, it, it, Again, and this is all being balanced against everything, right? Like what well, you said, Brian, uh, Texas and Oklahoma joining the ACC. You got USC and UCLA are going to join the, the Big Ten. These are now next year, as of next year, super conferences. And Florida State, like it is, it is life or death. They have to get out of the ACC. And I don't know. We talked about this before. I don't know what year the math makes sense for Florida State to jump, whether they could, you know, 2028, 2029, 2030, whatever they, you know, it, it'll be before 2036. But, eh, yeah, it's life or death. I don't I know. I mean, this if you're an ACC school, if you're Duke, right, and you're making forty five million dollars a year when you should probably only be bringing in five million or, you know, ten million. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you say no to that? Right. So, yeah. And then it, the, the question becomes, I mean, even if you stay and you get your your revenue share and it's 70 or, out of, or whatever it is, you know, you get your percentage. That we talked about Atkins, right, as someone who could be up and gone, you're not going to be able to pay him. and And if one of these other Big Ten schools or, or SEC schools comes on. If Missouri says, "Hey, we want Atkins as our head coach," he's gone. Yeah, if, I, and and you could see where someone could do the same for Norvell. As much as that's a that's a good dude, and I feel like he's a loyal guy, man. You know, if one of these bigger schools says, "You know what, we want him," and you don't have the money to contend, I mean, you see the you see the going rate for these coaches. You're talking right. 10, 11 million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not paying Norvell that, and and if one of these schools comes in, you're going to have to. Which is again more money that's got to come from somewhere. Right. And then again, the the compounding, right? So the Big Ten, the ACC are going to renegotiate their TV contracts here in the next couple of years. If all these schools start making $100 million each and that compounds, right? Now that you're, you're talking over five years, they've got $400 million that you don't have. They could start paying coaches $25 million. It's a nothing to them, 
right? Yeah. Florida State's still here and only able to afford maybe eight million for Norvell. It's just it doesn't work. Yeah. Bottom line is, uh, let's uh, cross our fingers and hope Mike Norvell, uh, Mike Norvell, hope Alfred's got something up his sleeve this week that he can pull off, man. Because you know, it, it seems like. Uh, it feels like a situation. What is the uh, what is the lawyer saying? If you've got the facts, pound the facts. If you don't, pound the table. It just feels like he's pounding the table and hoping something hits. Um, but if it doesn't really work out, I, I, you know, we shall see. This is the week to make it happen. I doubt we'd get news this week. Uh, I don't think they're just going to come out as like a joint conference and say, "Hey guys, we've all agreed." Uh, you would have kind of <laughs> hoped this would have been an announcement beforehand, as like a a leak of some sort, but. Um, you know, there'll, there'll be a lot of negotiating happening this week, I'm sure. So we'll listen to that. We'll probably have that coming for you in, in whatever capacity if there's news coming up. Uh, but for John, Max, and Brian, thanks for listening. I know it was a long one, but uh, hopefully there was something interesting in it for you. If not, we're sorry. It was a waste of an hour. But thank you. That's a wrap. <laughs>